Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, before we get started, I want to encourage you, if you've not already, to pick up your copy of Slime Incorporated. It makes a great paperback, read, or also an audiobook or ebook. It's available store.greatdetectives.net or at amazon.com. Well, now it's time for our last episode of The Crime Files of Flamon. The title of today's case card, The Case of the Innocent Crook. number 251 from the crime files of Flamand. Tonight's story opens in Flamand's office, the plain little office with the sign on the door, Understanding Incorporated. This is going to be a rather difficult case for you to handle, Flamand. Maybe, Mr. Markham. I'll just ask the matter of the particulars. But you aren't going to hear any particulars. That's exactly what makes it difficult. Mr. Markham, you'd have to tell Clement something about the case before you could expect him to handle it. That's precisely what I can't do, Miss Lake. He's going to have to work in the dark. I'm afraid that's impossible, Mr. Markham. People said it would be impossible for me to build a great chain of daily newspapers from one country weekly. Nothing's impossible, Clement. I should have said improbable, maybe. Anyway, I don't handle cases unless I have the complete confidence of my clients. Do you think I'd come here if I wasn't entirely confident of your ability and integrity? I could afford to hire any detective in the country. It isn't a matter of money with me, Mr. Markham. You know my background, Flamand. You know what kind of newspapers I run. Militant, aggressive, courageous papers. Fight for the welfare of your respective communities. Yes, I really think that's true. I've made enemies, naturally. You can't build a newspaper empire without making a great many of them. I rather pride myself that I've made the right enemy. And some of these enemies are trying to annoy you by unfair means, is that it? Annoy me? No. Somebody's trying to murder me. <laughs> you really believe that? I wouldn't be here if I didn't. Do you have any idea who the prospective killer is? More than an idea. I know exactly who it is. Oh? Who? I can't tell you. I don't understand this at all. You know who's after you, but you won't tell us. Why? Because that would stop the whole thing. It would ruin the whole crime. What? I'm afraid I can't comprehend that either, Mr. Markham. I want Mr. X to get away with murder from us. My murder. And then I want him punished. Punished plenty. That's going quite a way to get revenge on a person. Not nearly so far as you'd think. You see, I came here directly from my doctor's, Flamand. And he tells me I have roughly three weeks to live. Mr. Markham, just what are you proposing? I'm not proposing. I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give my enemy, this Mr. X, every opportunity in the world to carry out his plan. I'm going to play right into his hands. I'm going to make it so easy for him to kill me sometime within the next two weeks that he won't be able to resist. That's interesting, a rather terrible thing, Mr. Markham. If the man had the slightest moral fiber, he wouldn't be tempted. 
But he will be. No man has the right to play God, Mr. Markham. Not even the publisher of a great chain of papers. I don't flatter myself that I'm doing this for any great humanitarian reason, Lamont. I'm doing it because for many, many years I've wanted to crush Miss X. If I think it's for the good of society, that's incidental. I'm a pretty good hater myself. What do you want of me? Mr. X is clever. I'm going to give him ample opportunity to carry out his schemes. But I still want you to see that he's convicted of first-degree murder. I couldn't even consider your proposal. I know. But after the murder has been committed, you can. You can't condone murder. And you can't see a killer go unpunished. <laughs> you step into the case all right, Flamand. And you'll be well rewarded. In what way? After my murder, you go to my office and ask to look in the third lower left-hand deposit box in my private safe. Nothing will be in the box except an envelope addressed to you. And in the envelope? You'll find $10,000 in cash for your efforts in securing the conviction of my murderer, who will be named on a slip of paper in the envelope. Is the envelope there now? No, but it will be. And you wouldn't get it now if you went after it, if you're thinking of stopping my plan. Good day, and uh, the best of luck. Yes, Miss Blaine? Gus Brock is here to see you, Mr. Markham. Show him in. Oh, you shouldn't see him, Mr. Markham. He always upsets you so terribly, and... Well, it frightens me after death. Show him in, Miss Blaine. Well, I don't... All right. Mr. Martin can see you now, Mr. Brock. Okay, honey. Close the door as you go out. <laughs> Little Miss High and Mighty, don't go for me, Martin. Gus, please. How often must I tell you I don't like that... That Marky thing. The more you tell me, Marky, the more you'll hear it. What's the trick this time, Marky? Trick? Yeah, trick. Were you leveling when you said you were ready to do business with my office? Yes. You'll plunk for my candidates right down the line and no hedging? No hedging. You've crossed me up before. I've done no such thing. I've never promised you I'd endorse your ticket. You've always been pretty cute about that. You take the gravy and then cross me up and holler, I didn't promise you anything. You've been a pretty ungrateful guy, Marky. Listen, I paid you back the money you advanced for the Chronicle. Every penny of it with interest. Did you think you were buying my soul when you financed that deal? Yeah, that was the idea you gave me, but that's past. I need a lot of help on this ticket, Marky. It kind of smells some ways. I'll go along. What do you want? Cash, Gus. I'm hard up. How much? 15000 right now. 100000 if your ticket's elected. That's pretty heavy money. You don't pay unless I deliver. That is, aside from the 15000 You want it in cash, you said. Suddenly I want it in cash. And not delivered here. Why not? Bad enough that I'm selling out to your political machine without having the folks who work for me know it. Lord knows what excuse I'll give them for switching. Well, think of one. You always thought of pretty good stories to give me when I had a beef. Remember, this is one deal. After the next election, everything's off again. Yeah? 
I'll give you a check for 15 grand. You think I'm crazy? I'd never take a check from you. No, I'm not loaded that heavy, Marky. 15 grand's a lot of dough to carry around with you. Well, you can meet me later tonight and give it to me. Where? It'll have to be someplace where neither of us is known. Someplace where we won't be seen by anybody. You'll name it. How about down by the waterfront? 11 o'clock tonight. Anything you say. And come alone. The deal's off if you have anybody with you. Don't worry. I'll be alone, too. And don't tell anybody where you go. If you try to cross me up... I'll tell my secretary I'm going out to get something to eat. Have somebody call at five minutes to 11 and ask for me, if you don't believe that. I might do that, Marky. Yeah, positive you'll be alone? Of course I'll be alone. <laughs> you think I'm a fool? I wouldn't be caught dead with you in public. You won't be, Marky. Don't worry. Yeah, better be going. So long. Goodbye. Mr. X. <clears throat> Happened to him, I'm sure of it. 
Oh, when I think of what he told me and I didn't realize that the police told us they don't have any clues at all. Oh, the police. They'll never get any clues on this case because they'd be afraid to get clues. What makes you say that? There'll be a lot of indignation over Mr. Markham's murder. Public opinion will force action. There are things the police worry more about than public opinion in this town. Like what? Like Gus Brock. His machine's not in power now, though. Oh, he's the crookedest grafter that ever looted a stake. Don't ever bet he isn't powerful in or out. And you think Gus Brock killed Mr. Markham? Brock was in here late yesterday afternoon. He stayed in with Mr. Markham for a long time. What did they talk about? I don't know, but Mr. Markham was furious and, well, a little frightened, I thought, after Brock left. Frightened? Well, maybe it was my imagination, but I... Yes, yes, I think he was. Did Mr. Markham tell you what I'd asked for? I know. The third lower left-hand deposit box in his private safe. Very well. Wasn't it even long? Oh, he never kept anything of any value in this safe, just papers. Oh, here you are. What? What's even addressed to you? Yes. What? All that money. There must be thousands of dollars in there. Ten thousand dollars, yes. Just as he told us. And a note. Well, what does it say? Dear Simon, if I am murdered, go after Gus Brock. Our fight dates back a long way. He's made two unsuccessful attempts in my life. He will try again, I know. And he might be successful. I'm Daniel Dawson Markham. I knew it. So did I, Miss Blaine. By process of elimination, I decided Gus Brock was the most direct. Me, an enemy of Marky's? Well, we were pals. I'd done him a lot of good turns. Why did you call on him yesterday afternoon, Mr. Brock? Why, he invited me up to see him for a chinning session. Chinning? About what? Oh, politics, this and that. We were old friends, see? Why, I helped him in business. I practically bought him his newspaper. Is that so? How come he fought you so bitterly, then? Oh, that was part of the act. As a matter of fact, he was getting ready to push my whole ticket into office. Do you have any proof of that? That isn't the kind of thing you fix, so there's ever any proof of it. But you were friends. Sure, ask any of the boys. What boys? Members of my club, the Gus Brock Social Club. Mr. Brock. Where were you last night? Last night? Let's see. Uh, what time? From 10 to midnight, I was over at the club with the boys. Yeah. They'll all swear you were there during that time. Well, not all of them, I don't suppose. I got a private office there, see, and I had a couple of fellows in there with me going over things. Only two witnesses, Mr. Brock? I'm surprised. See, uh, you go making nasty cracks about me, and... And what? You'll find it isn't very healthy. People who cross me up aren't ever very lucky afterwards. Like uh, Mr. Markham? He never crossed me. We were buddies. And I wonder why he left this note. What note? Let me see it. Boy, oh, that dirty rat. Have the cops seen this yet? No, but they will. Oh, sure. I'll show it to them. You'll show it to them. You think I'm nuts? I know what was in it anyway. I'll report it to the police. You wouldn't bet any store on that, would you? See here, you're in bad enough with one murder. Try two and you'll hang for sure. Put that gun away. You can talk real hard about the authority, can't you? Just like a big politician. And you scare me just about as much. Look at you going. Hurry up about it. I'm not so fast. Hurry up. So funny stuff. Just where do you think you're taking me? Why, over to the club to meet some of the boys. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Lamond is in a bad spot, doesn't it? I wonder what the boys have in store for him. We'll find out in just a minute. First, now you can... Huh? 
Oh, oh, the tie switch is here. Let me fix it. Uh, you ain't pulling another one of those gags on me. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, th- 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 there's a smudge on your face. Let me, let me clean it with my hands. Mm. Thanks for keeping him looking towards oh. you, Miss Lake. What? Where? Don't get thirsty, Doc. I don't know much about this gun, but I know that when you pull the trigger, it goes off. Uh, you, Markham, fix it. That's right. Miss Lake wanted me to stay away, but I thought she might need help. Mm. I guess I did. Uh, what are you going to do with me? Turn you over to the police where you belong. Perhaps get them on first. Uh, uh, when's he, Mr. Brock? Left hand pocket on a key ring. I'll get them. Keep your hand away from that pocket. Miss Lake will get them. What key is it? That long one, right there. Well, aren't you going to say thank you, come on? You know, you look quite comfortable. Oh, all right, all right. So that gag over your mouth shall last, though. There. There, now you're as good as new. Are you glad you have an assistant secretary who gets out of jam? I wasn't in any jam, Sandra, not really. Oh, not much. I'll turn this revolver over to you now, come on. Oh, it's frightening. Oh, a Clement never handles firearms, Miss Lane. He's scared to death of them. You keep it, Miss Lane. You haven't anything on me. What's this all about, anyway? That note you took away from me. What note? I never saw any note. I did, Doc. And I can say something now that I couldn't until we had you. Like what? Mr. Markham told me where he was going when he left the office last night. To meet you down by the water. That's a lie. Oh, no, it isn't. I suppose he told you what he was meeting me for, too, didn't he? No. Okay, I'll tell you. It sold out to me. He was meeting me to get $15,000 in advance payment for backing my ticket in the next election. Oh, you expect me to believe that. He hated you. He'd never sell out to anyone, but if he did, it wouldn't be you. I gave him 15000 bucks cash. Well, that's very interesting, Mr. Brock. You've admitted being with him at the time he was killed. Well, that ought to just about quench that. Why should I kill him after he sold out to me? He'd have been worth more to me alive. You never intended him to have any money of yours. You got him to the waterfront on some pretext or another. Maybe you agreed to pay him $15,000, but you killed him and took it back. You're wrong, sister. Murder is a little out of my line. The money you claim you gave him, Mr. Brock. What were the numbers on those bills? Well, how, how should I know? Don't be naive, Brock. A politician of your sort would never put out bribe money without having it marked or knowing the numbers on it. That's pretty smart, huh? Particularly, you wouldn't give money to a man like Markham, a man you distrusted, without some proof that you've given it to him. Okay, so it was Mark. Mark? Oh. A little check mark in red ink, real fine, right in the lower left-hand corner of every bill. Oh, Miss Blaine, do you have any money with you? What? Could I see your purse, please? Oh, what, what, what for? Hand it here, please. I'd like to look through it. $100 bill. Oh, well. Grab her, Brock. Sandra, get out of the way. I got her, but grab the glove. I have it, Brock. <laughs> Hey, You're working with Brock. You, you put that bill on my phone. You heard Markham trying to track up Brock. You heard the deal about the $15,000. That was all the money in the world as far as you were concerned. No, it's You knew about the letter in Markham's face. No, no. You knew the whole story. You knew nobody ever suspects you because they wouldn't know your motive, which was robbery. Nothing else. Oh, that's not true. You followed Markham. You watched the transaction completed. And then as soon as Brock had left... You shot your employer. That's a lie. You can't frame me. You took the money and went back to the office. You never sent anybody to examining that revolver, did you? Because nobody had the slightest suspicion of you. Was that the gun that did it, honey? 
If it was, you're a dead duck. Yes. That was the gun. Thanks, honey. You did something I was trying to work up my nerves to do. You should have been convicted, too. It would have been if it hadn't been for this. Please, Mr. Lane. I'm sorry I had to trap you. Dreadfully sorry. Believe me. I'd much rather it had worked out the way Markham planned. It just goes to show that you can't play God and get away with it. Lamond and Sandra will be back in a moment with the basic clue in tonight's story, an exclusive feature of the Crime Files of Lamont. J. Graham, author of the Web Surface series. Oh, and a man's wife. You're listening to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Welcome back. Well, I actually enjoyed this case. I really wish the um, sound quality were better, but, the, but basically, we're dealing with uh, mutual. Um, program from the 1950s and those all tend to be in somewhat questionable shape uh, but I, I thought the th the uh, setup was good and also had a nice solution and Sandra Lake got some good action uh, activity and got to save the day and overall I have to say that I've enjoyed this uh, series what we have of it uh, really had some kind of quirky writing and uh, stories that were 
uh, interesting, even if they were not uh, acting-wise up to the standards of the New York and uh, Los Angeles uh, programs that we mostly get to hear. All right, well, that will do it for today and for the Crime Files of Lamont. Next week, it will be time for uh, Tales of Fatima. And uh, tomorrow, though, be sure and join us for the adventures of Philip Marlowe. In the meantime, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>